0: Today we wrap up our sermon series on transparency because transparency matters within the church and within each one of our lives. This is the eighth message from the fourth chapter of Ephesians. We've broken it down into small pieces and today's piece is verse 29 through 32, I would recommend you open your Bible to that part and um, just let God speak to your heart and soul as he talks to us about how forgiveness matters in our lives. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32. Today's message um, challenges us to always talk with kindness, always live with tenderness, and always forgive as we are forgiven. We're also going to take a little bit of time to review practical steps of repentance and practical steps of forgiveness. So open your Bible now, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4 as I read verses 29 through 32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not Grieve the Holy Spirit, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind. Be kind and compassionate. To one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow. I want to break this down verse by verse and at least get the high points. So, verse 29, we learn that the muscle of transparency is in our tongue the muscle of transparency is in our tongue so we are told to talk talk with kindness unwholesome talk just tears people down we hear this frequently in scripture and here it is in Ephesians chapter 4 and you can see it again in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, where it says that foolish talk and coarse joking are out of place. Coarse joking is a way of speaking about someone in an unfavorable manner. We are called to be better than that. Our joking is typically at someone else's expense. That's what a joke is all about. Even if the person is not present, it sends a strong message. The message is showing how the joker values themselves over the expense of someone else. If we happen to be the target of the joke, or a member of the group that's being joked about, it can undermine our sense of self-worth, and our commitment to the person that's telling the joke. I have always seen joking as a subtle art of intimidation and one-upmanship. Perhaps it's because I was joked about a lot. It makes my skin crawl when I hear somebody doing it. In our American culture, joking is seen, at least by the one making the joke, as a way to to show their individualism with no regard for the price being paid by the one being made fun of. The joker, consciously or unconsciously, is making the joke part of their winning strategy. The strategy is to intimidate, to put down, to best others, by discounting them and their position or their opinion or their performance. Oh, she knows I'm just joking. Why? Why would you do that to her? This may sound harsh, but this is what God's Word calls us to today. Foolish talk and, of course, joking are out of place. There is no place in the church, there is no place in a mature Christian's life to belittle another person through joking. That's the first part of verse 29. And then the second part of verse 29 talks about some helpful talk. It says the muscle of transparency is in our tongue Just as unwholesome talk tears people down, helpful talk can build people up. Talk. Talk with kindness. In my mind's eye, I see Jesus. Jesus is being associated with kindness. I see Jesus as the kindest, most gentlest person who has ever graced this earth. When people talk kind to me, I sense the presence of Jesus. Think about how Jesus dealt with sinners. He did it with kindness. The woman at the well in John chapter 4, Jesus talked with kindness. Whoever drinks the water that I give, Jesus says, Will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give will become in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman caught in adultery. Jesus talked with kindness. If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first one to throw the stone. the paralyzed man that was lowered down from the roof by his friends and in front of Jesus because the crowd blocked their way. In Luke chapter 5, when Jesus looked up as they were lowering this man, he saw their faith and he spoke with kindness. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Get up and take your mat and go home. The woman that anointed Jesus in Bethany with that very expensive perfume. And then she was harshly rebuked by the indignant people that were there. But Jesus spoke with kindness. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Think about how Jesus dealt with the demanding crowds that pushed and and tried to get close to him. He did it with kindness. He never seemed to be irritated with the pushing and the shoving that was going on all around him. Jesus talked with kindness. In Matthew chapter 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. And they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Think about how Jesus dealt with the sick, he did it with kindness the kindness toward those who were physically afflicted. Jesus was up at late hours of the night ministering and healing to those who had come to him for his touch. Jesus talked with kindness. Can't you just see him touching with kindness and him speaking these kind words? Your faith has healed you. The muscle of transparency is in our tongues. It is to be used to build people up. We are to be kind to one another. Talk. Talk with kindness. The second point in this part of the scripture, I believe, is to live. And live with tenderness. verses 30 through 31. They talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. You know, when it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit, it's like taking a big bucket of water and dumping it onto the fire. It's a way of putting out the fire of God, the Holy Spirit that's living within you. To grieve the Holy Spirit is, is done through our bitterness, our rage and anger, our brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, this scripture says. But to live with tenderness is to live with the full power of the Holy Spirit of God living in you. Verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. It demands for us to be transparent in our sincere motives to help one another, to live with tenderness. No matter what someone else has done, we are called to be kind and have compassion and to have a tender heart. Tender hearted. It's so easy to have our hearts hardened, isn't it? We talked about that a few weeks ago, about how when we grieve the Holy Spirit, when we sin, we build up this scar tissue on our soul. We we have a hardened heart. We must constantly guard ourselves against becoming hard-hearted sometimes when we have been deeply hurt by someone, we determine in our mind, I will never let that hurt, that person hurt me again. We harden our heart against them or against a similar situation. Scripture calls us, though, to be tender-hearted. The tender heart is in contrast to the bitterness and other ways that we grieve the Holy Spirit. Have you ever seen the tragedy of an old person who has become bitter and hard-hearted? Some people will hold on to deep hurt against another person that violated them, that violated their personhood, Perhaps this is you today. You hold on to that anger thinking that you are keeping that violator in some type of spiritual prison. All along that violator has moved on with their life. But you, me, the one who has been damaged, we we keep on holding it deep in our heart. We try to hold that person in some type of spiritual prison. If we don't learn to live with tenderness, we will eventually become grumpy old men and bitter old women. We need to live. Live with tenderness. So the way we do that is to forgive. The third point of this message today is to forgive and be forgiven. Let me read verse 32 again. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. To forgive as in Christ God forgave us. This means while we were still sinners, nasty toward God, Jesus died on the cross for us. He took the penalty for our sins while we were still committing them. There is no time or place for us to condemn another person if we are truly allowing Jesus to be Lord of our life, giving all that we are and all that we have to him. Forgiveness just might be the most difficult task that we need to do today. How often, anyway, should we forgive a person? (laughs) You know, let's be honest. Could we even do what Peter suggested to Jesus? He said, Jesus, should we forgive seven times? It's hard, isn't it? But Jesus answered Peter and said, Oh, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, you are to forgive somebody every time, every time that they fall, just as in Christ, God has forgiven us. 70 times seven. Christians are called to forgive An infinite number of times, because that's the number of times that God has forgiven us. When a Christian fails to forgive, we are out of line with the infinite forgiveness of God. What if we did not forgive? Who do you think suffers the most? The guilty party or us? the one who refuses to forgive. Actually, both will suffer to some extent. If you are on the end of being the guilty party, the perpetrator, it's important to know that you have been forgiven. You should seek forgiveness through repentance. If you don't, it leads to neurotic behavior. Neurotic behavior patterns can develop from a guilty conscience. So I want to remind you of the steps to repent today. The first step is to acknowledge your sin. Before we can repent, we need to acknowledge that we have done wrong. Our sin must become real to us it must become a burden to us a weight on our shoulders that we no longer desire to carry around because if we do continue to carry this around we cannot live by the spirit of god godly sorrow needs to weigh heavy on us we need to view our sin the way god is viewing our sin it is repugnant, it is unacceptable, and it is incompatible with the kingdom of God. So we need to acknowledge that we have sinned. And then we need to confess our sin. First John 1.9 says we need to confess our sin before God. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. When we do that, the Holy Spirit is no longer grieved, but we have the Spirit of God living within us. And then we should also consider confessing our sin before others. James 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So we acknowledge our sin, we confess our sin, and then the third thing for repentance is to turn from your sin. Repentance is turning our back on that sin and not wanting to do it anymore. It sounds easy enough, doesn't it? But when we try to continuously do this on our own personal strength, it can't be done. Turning from sin is accomplished by God. Through his help, through the filling of the Holy Spirit, when we confess our sins to him, then we have the strength to do it. Repentance is stopping whatever we have been doing that is displeasing to God. Repentance is choosing God's way instead of our flesh way regardless of what sin you have committed i mentioned this last week one of the falsehoods in churches is we try to say this sin is worse than this sin no regardless of what sin you have committed you can repent right now by telling god in your heart you can confess and he is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Now this evening at 6.30 p.m., you are welcome to come to our solemn assembly. We can confess our sins and we can take many of these burdens that are on our shoulders like guilt and shame. Whatever it is that you're carrying around this evening, we will put at the foot of the cross and we will put it back to God and let him take care of it. May it be a time of quiet gathering. There will be no electronics. There will be no recording. There will be no music unless someone breaks out in singing, which would be all right. But may it be a time of quiet gathering for reflection For prayer, for God's word, for repentance, forgiveness, and renewal. So the third step in repentance is to turn from your sin. And then the fourth step is to choose holiness. Every moment of every day. Just because we repent does not mean that we do not have that temptation to sin anymore. We need to choose holiness. We need to choose a righteous way of life. We need to guard our heart. We need to guard our eyes. We need to guard our ears and our temptations of mind each and every day. This may include who we see, where we go. It may include who we invite into our home. It may involve the music that we listen to or the social media that we look at you know what your temptation is control it daily through the power of the Holy Spirit by choosing holiness repentance is imperative to live a healthy Christian life but it is equally important for us to forgive The one who holds anger and hate in their heart against the guilty perpetrator typically suffers the most. A bitter heart can even be dangerous to our physical well-being. A bitter heart actually creates chemicals to be released into your body which begin to eat at the walls of your stomach. Can you say, ulcer? So, what are the steps to forgiveness? First, we need to remember forgiveness comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you are struggling to forgive someone who hurt you, pause and remember the depth of the forgiveness that God has for you. Think about the magnitude of God's mercy and his grace on your life as Jesus was nailed to the cross and bled for you. Think about Jesus. And think about the gift of forgiveness the gift of forgiveness that God offers all people walking this earth. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to hang on that cross and die for us. No matter what we have done, no matter how undeserving we are, if we can grasp the extent of God's mercy and grace in our life, it is so important for us to have the ability to show astonishing mercy and grace to others. Bitterness is a natural response when we have been wounded by someone else. But forgiveness is supernatural. God alone gives us the supernatural power to forgive the seemingly unforgivable. We receive God's power when we recognize and when we accept the work that He has done in our lives and in the lives of those we love. We need to remember forgiveness is supernatural. It comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. The second step to forgiveness is release. Release the person who hurt you. (laughs) Sounds so simple, doesn't it? Releasing someone who hurt you means letting that person out of the prison that you've constructed within yourself, within your mind. It means making a decision to stop dwelling on how they did you wrong. It means making a decision to intentionally let go let go of any bitterness that has worked up in your soul and in your heart. To get there, we need to hand that situation and those emotions over to God. We need to trust God to deal with the improper acts of the other person. He is much better equipped at handling these things than we are. Once you intentionally release your offender, you will receive such a huge sense of peace and comfort. You'll feel like the weight has been lifted off of your shoulders. You can almost walk on water. But this step Is not an easy step, is it? We hold on to hurt because it can make us feel as if we are paying that person back and and maybe that we have a little bit of control here at least. But you're really not. Harboring the anger and bitterness does not do anything except allow that situation to continue to hold you hostage, to wreak havoc on your life physically, emotionally, and spiritually. While you may not feel like releasing that person, that person that caused you pain, understand that this step is a proactive choice that we need to make rather than a feeling. The choice necessary for your own healing and future well-being. Release. Release that person that hurt you. It is not our responsibility to punish them. In fact, we get in the way of God's punishment for them because He needs to deal with us because we haven't yet learned how to forgive. Release them into God's hands. And the third step of forgiveness is reestablish. We need to reestablish a new normal in our relationship. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Forgiveness is a requirement for moving past pain in a healthy way But reconciliation must be considered on a case-by-case basis. In fact, some cases will never reach reconciliation. Have you considered that before? Can I really forgive and not reach reconciliation? It's important for us to know two words. Reconciliation. And conciliation. Reconciliation is the restoration of a friendly relationship. Conciliation is an amicable settlement without anger. Verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. You can do your part by remembering how much you have been forgiven by releasing the other person and by doing what you can to prayerfully reach reconciliation or conciliation in your relationship. Keep in mind that some relationships cannot and should not be reestablished. For example, do not reconnect in a relationship that may Cause you additional personal harm or expose you to any kind of emotional or physical danger. Be wise. Forgiveness does not require putting yourself back in an unsafe, questionable situation. Re establish a new normal in your relationship. If we are going to avoid bitterness and all its negative effects, we need to become good forgivers. We need to repeat this process often in our lives. Many times throughout our lives, we are going to need to forgive somebody else. Practice generous forgiveness every chance that you get forgive forgive and be forgiven because forgiveness matters so quick review on these verses we need to talk talk with kindness the muscle of transparency is our tongue we need to live live with tenderness Live with the full power of God's Holy Spirit living within you. And forgive, forgive, and be forgiven. The steps of repentance again is to acknowledge our sin. Know that what we have done is repugnant, unacceptable, and incompatible with God's kingdom. Confess our sin to God, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And consider forgiving to one another. Turn from sin with God's help. Stop doing it. Right? Choose holiness every day when you wake up. Choose to walk with Jesus. And the steps of forgiveness is to remember. Remember our forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. Release Release the person who hurt you. Leave that person in God's hands. And the third part of forgiveness is to reestablish. Reestablish a new healthy relationship. Forgiveness matters. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. Surely for what you've done for us. Even sending your only son to die on the cross for us. What an amazing grace you've shared with us and had mercy on us. For those that don't know this mercy and grace, may they consider accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior today. If they don't know how, may they seek me out after this service so that we can pray together and come before your throne and accept this good life that you have for each one of us a life eternal in jesus name amen